1: I hope that you can come with me tonight because, I mean, that's my prayer. I lay down all lesser things for the greater gain because He is alive in me. Amen. And you know, God has a plan. Uh, I mean, we, we talk about that, we share about that, we have looked at it, but you cannot touch the Old Testament and then read in the New Testament, and then not see that God has a plan that's going on. And I hope that you see that God has a plan for your life. I hope that you take the scriptures, I hope that you've taken the life of Elijah and Elisha, and, and really dug into it for yourself, and says, you know what, God has a plan for me. God needs to use you here at Silverdale. The plan that has been laid out, the 2020 plan, is going to be as God uses you and God uses me. And many times we think I am of no worth. Uh, Maybe you're younger than me but still have gray hair. Now, mine started getting gray at 20, okay, but... But Yeah, but still, I colored it one time. That was terrible. You know, you don't mess up with what God's given you. But still, God wants to work in our hearts and in our lives. As we've gone through and as we've come to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 18, we, we've come to a place where um, it's what our eyes see And I had two questions (laughs) as I came here. One was, where did Elisha come from? Now, I maybe missed that part of the study. I I missed a Wednesday night or so. Uh, But in 1 Kings 19 was when Elijah was at one of the points of his Great Depression. And he walked by Elisha who was plowing in the field with 12 oxen and threw his cloak over Elisha. And immediately, Elisha starts following Elijah. But he does a couple of things that are extremely interesting. Uh, Elisha came from a wealthy family. I mean, to be plowing with 12 oxen is quite quite a a feat in, in those days. But he slaughtered all 12 oxen. As he slaughters all 12 oxen, that says there is no going back from following God. And then as Elijah is taken up into the whirlwind, he had requested of Elijah that he might have a double portion. And I had wondered what what was that double portion that he was asking for. Because what he got was the cloak. Now, this is not Star Wars, and this is not magic, because God has a plan. And as as Jesus was here on the earth, and you and I ought to really resonate with that plan because as the blood flows over us and cleanses us clean, we also get the Holy Spirit living within us as well. So there's sort of a a double portion that we get that maybe they didn't get in the Old Testament. Because if you, you look at the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain individuals at a time but not a group of people all at the same time. Now, each of us have been saved at different times. The Holy Spirit came on our lives at a different point in time. So you and I are empowered to face whatever it is that God puts before us. And I'm hoping that God puts before you every day His Word and you are empowered to get into God's word and understand and understand and understand and understand each day until you are known as a man and a woman of God who stands on God's truth. Now now listen as we go through these verses. At first it it seems kind of strange, okay? Um, and, And it is a little bit. Once when the king of Syria, this is uh, chapter 6 in 2 Kings and verse 8. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going to be there. And the king of Israel sent to that place about which the man of God told him. Then, thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, uh, one of the servants, basically he's accusing them, saying, will you not show me who of us is the King of Israel. And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And it was told him, And behold, he is in Dothan. So he went there with horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out and behold an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes and may he see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, we serve a God of grace and a God of sovereignty and a God that has a great plan. God had a plan for Elisha. God had a plan for Israel. God had a plan for the time of history. God had a plan for Syria. So as these things begin to to, to take place, we we begin to see that nothing is going to halt the plan that that God has. Now, God has been working, and it's it's interesting in, in the chapter before this, Because we we know of the story of Naaman, how he was a leper, and how he had to go and cleanse himself in the Jordan River. Uh, But he's a Gentile, is he not? And who does he walk away declaring to be God? The God of Israel. God always has a remnant all throughout the Old Testament, no matter how dark it becomes, God has a remnant. We are listening to too much news today and we think that's the way it is because that's what we see on TV. This is the truth. And if we read more here, we would know the truth. And that God has a greater plan and that we need to be about the greater plan rather than being disturbed by whatever is going on out here. Amen? Amen. So God has a plan for the Syrians, His grace. He is going to bless them with His grace. Now... As we go through, we see with the Syrians that God has blessed them with success. God has blessed them with salvation in Naaman. And God has blessed them by crushing their pride. Now, the crushing of their pride comes in they are trying to take Israel, this small country, and they're trying to overrun them. And King ben the II this is the king we're talking about here in Syria, um, he is afraid that he has a spy, but it comes about that God is telling Elisha what is going to happen and telling the king of Israel, no, don't go that way. Amen. Now, is that not being a great man of God? Is that not praying a lot? Uh, as Pastor Tony was was preaching, and Elisha wouldn't come out of the house. In my mind's eye, he was enjoying God too much to come out and you know, hear Naaman. Here's what you're going to do, and, and you know Naaman gets all upset because he's a man of importance. And but the answer has been given to him what he needs to do. But no, 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 no. You need to treat me as if I'm a man of great importance when. Elisha was dealing with things of greater importance when he dealt with the things of God. God humiliates people in order that they may respond to him in faith. You ever had that crushing thing happen to you? You ever been totally humiliated? (laughs) I was in the eighth grade and um, I come from an alcoholic's family. And um, my, when I left for my eighth grade graduation, graduation time is not always an exciting time for me. I'm still working through that, okay? Uh, my dad was home drunk in bed. He had vomited all over himself. He had urinated all over himself. It was a horrible sight to behold. And so I told my mother that I did not want to go to the graduation service. And she said, no, you have to go. I said, I don't want to go. And um, she made me go anyway because I came from a small town and I knew what was going to happen. The kids were all excited. They were looking out. They said, Bill, I see your mom, but where's your dad? I didn't want to tell him that he was home drunk in bed and what I had just seen. So I told him what my mom always told my dad's boss, when he called. He's got the flu. Now that was a lie. And then those lies become easier to tell in your own life if something is going to threaten your pride rather than coming and responding in faith and responding in transparency. And there's many times in our own spiritual lives, when we don't realize that the man or woman that we were before that we were saved is now gone. It's covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and is changed. And we should be celebrating in the new person and dealing in the transparency that can be there. God humbled the king of Syria before Frustrating the plans that he had. And he made his secrets known to Elisha. Let me ask you, what do you see? What do you see? Because I think that sight is a part of our problem. I think that we are so filled with what we see in the world that we really don't see. Now, one of my sugar stick sermons, okay, i preached this one a couple of times when I went to different churches. I know this sermon really, really works. It worked for me, okay. I'm not going to get into it, but it, there's some really good truths because it, it's from Mark 1046, and it's, I had entitled it Blind Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus was a blind man that was sitting next to a wall because he had to sit next to a wall so that he knew where he was. And he was was a beggar that was there. Now, Jesus was coming through the town. And Jesus was coming through the town with a great crowd. And so as he was sitting, he asked someone what was happening What what was the commotion? Because it was unusual for this little town for there to be so much commotion. So what he was beginning to do was to look and see. And somebody said, Jesus of Nazareth is coming through the town. And this man cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody got all excited. Everybody told him to shut up, okay? You're going to embarrass the town. Now, nobody else around Jesus, even the disciples, were asking Jesus to save them. No one saw that in Jesus. Why? Their need had not reached that moment where there was a crisis where their sight was failing them and they had such a great need that they had a need of a Savior. And I want to ask you, have you reached that point? And maybe you have. But you know what? It is not just enough to live on a past testimony. You need to have one today. You need to have seen Jesus walking in the streets of Chattanooga today. And you need to be a part of whatever Jesus was doing today. Do you realize that you have people begging you to tell them about Jesus every day? So, what did Bartimaeus do? He shut up, right? No. He cried out with a louder voice Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and says to the blind man, come to me. Simple command. If you're blind, which way do you go? Have you ever thought about that? If, you're, if you have sight, you know where he is, and you know where to go. But I'm telling you, if you're in the midst of a crushing, suffering moment, if you're in the middle of a divorce, if you're in the middle of having been told that you're going to die... And by the way, why does it surprise us that we're going to die? You know, I'm 71. I'm not surprised by that. At 22 and 23, I was a little surprised if somebody would have told me that. But still, if Christ is in our lives, what does that mean? I get to go and be with Jesus at that moment. But why don't I get excited about that? I love here more than there. I was sitting in seminary one day, and this group of motorcycle uh, riders came through. Uh, none of you are old enough to have gone through the Jesus movement. It happened back in the 70s, and a guy carried a cross all the way across the United States, and they put orange stickers on you once they had told you about Jesus. So I was sitting across from this fella. And he was big and burly and had this thing on his, you know, and was, he frightened me a little bit. And He said, do you know Jesus? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, tell me your testimony. I did. He just starts crying in the middle of my testimony. I've never had anybody do that before, you know. Most people you share your testimony, they get nervous. But he started crying. And then he started telling me when he had accepted Jesus and that he, the first thing that he did was to go to the head of the motorcycle gang there in Louisville and share Christ with the head of the motorcycle gang. And the head of the motorcycle gang said, I don't want to hear what you have to say about Jesus. If you say another word, I'm going to kill you. I don't care if you kill me. I want to tell you about Jesus the head of the motorcycle gang pulled out his forty-five, put it right between his eyes, and pulled the trigger back. And he said, you say another word, and I will blow your brains out. He had my attention. I said, what did you do? He said, I grabbed the barrel of the gun with both hands, and I said, pull the trigger! I said, what'd he do? I said, obviously he didn't pull the trigger. He, he said he was surprised. He said, You are crazy. He said, yes, I am crazy for Jesus. Pull the trigger. I have sinned so much in my life. I have done so many things in my life. If you pull the trigger, you'll do me the greatest favor in the world because I'll never have a chance to sin again. Please pull the trigger. So what do you see? Bartimaeus got up and went to Jesus and he said what would you have me do for you and he said Lord that I might receive my sight now what kind of sight do you think Barmaeus wanted what kind of sight do you want here you are in church every Sunday. You get to hear the greatest praise in the city. You get to hear the greatest preaching in the city. You have shareholders, most of the time, some of the finest people in the city, right? They got potential. I want to see Jesus. Jesus, those were not his words. He said, Lord, I want to receive my sight. He said, your faith has made you well. God humbles a king by protecting his prophet and humiliating the Syrians. And then his servant They're in the city of Dothan. And everybody is out after the prophets and they're out to to do them in. But yet, the presence of God is with them. Everybody is afraid that God's going to call them to missions someplace. Maybe you're afraid they're going to call you to the coffee shop across the street. Oh, my gosh. Every day over there in the coffee shop telling people about Jesus. I was so scared, you know. What are we afraid of? The man comes running back in and says, Elisha, the whole Syrian army is out there. They sent the Syrian army to get us. I mean, I think it's a little overkill, don't you? Two guys? I mean, but, but remember now, Elisha's been listening in to the king. No, God's been listening in on the king. Amen. Let's get it straight. Right. God's been listening in on the king. Elisha's sending him back outside. Go back outside and tell me what you see. He said, I see chariots of fire. All around us. Now I stopped reading. I'll tell you what happened. The whole Syrian army was made blind. And Elisha said, come with me to the Syrian army. And they all went in to the Jewish capital. And then they got their sight back. Elite commando squad, and now they're all captives. The king of Israel wanted to kill them all, but God had a greater plan. Amen. Elisha said, Feed them, give them water to drink, and they took them back to the king of Syria. The servant embraces the grace. God is a refuge for his people. Don't be afraid. What is fear? Have you ever met anybody that died from fear? We talk about it like cancer. I'm afraid. You've never met anybody that has died from fear. The servant sees and embraces the reality of God's unseen protection. Now, are you living in fear? Not only you can answer that. (laughs) Don't answer out loud. I asked a question like that one time, and somebody answered me out loud. Don't, Don't answer out loud. God is always with and for his people. Jesus said... Don't get upset. Don't fight. There are 12 legions of angels that I can call. 72,000 angels can come to my rescue. I am dying for your sins. I need no rescue because it is God's plan. Because of this truth, we can live in peace, not in fear. What can man do to us? What can another person do to you? Ladies, why do you get upset? I don't understand this. When you don't get to go to lunch with the other ladies. I know it's a truth, okay? I know it's a truth. I'm not making fun, but I don't know why everybody gets upset. If I don't get invited to lunch, I kind of like it. I get some quiet time. I know, that's the difference between men and women. I know, okay. Are you living in fear and anxiety because of finances? Then turn your finances over to God. Several years ago, I wrote down every debt that I had, and I asked God to forgive me because it was sin in my life. I took what God gave me, and squandered it. And I said, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I need grace. I need you to show me a way out of this. Hard work. <laughs> Living within your means. We'll take you out of it. illness, circumstances. What are you seeing in the flesh? Find refuge in God's promises and in his presence. God is with and for his people. A couple of years ago, I thought that I was going to be in a nursing home for maybe six months because of an infection that I had. I said, Lord, I don't want to do this. I deserve better than this. I went through the whole thing. And finally, I confessed all my sins. And I said, "Okay, God, let me out of this. And finally, I said, God, I'll be the best nursing home guy you've ever had. And whoever comes my way, I will witness to them for you. And I will study your word, if that's what you're doing, slowing me down, or whatever it is. You don't have to take it away. I am content because you are with me. Now, I I would like for you to stand with me tonight. We're not going anywhere yet because we're going to have a commissioning of some missionaries in just a moment. But there's a song that I'd like you to hear. And I'd like you to take it to heart and just kind of make it your song that you're going to be a part of the battle. And it's a song to remind you of battles that have been fought and where God was in the battle. Amen? Amen. Now, just bow your head and you worship with the Lord as you need to as this song goes through.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus' final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.